The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 87 of the Pokemon Snapshot. How are you doing tonight, Josh? Um, alright, Jeff, how's it going? It's going good. We have had a lot of snow over the last week. I, we were talking before we started recording, and I was telling you how my daughter in the last 11 days has gone to school one day. I'm super jealous. I wish I had gone to school one out of the past 11 days. And I and I and I'm like in charge of the children. Or maybe not eleven. I don't know how the math works out. Maybe it's just in the last week. I don't know. Weren't you a math? Weren't you a math teacher? Was that's the key word there? Okay, fair enough. Um, but she was not happy to go back to school yesterday. Yeah, same. But I did do something cool at school yesterday, though. What did you do? Um. So I can't remember if I've talked about this on here before, but um. About three years ago, so I play guitar and sing, and about three years ago, we basically started a teacher band, because a bunch of the staff members play instruments and sing and stuff like that, and so we've done, like, end-of-the-year concerts, um, we've played in, like, all the Black History Month programs and stuff like that, and then for some, like, other special events, and uh, in our cafeteria, there's, like a, uh, like, a pretty, like, a small stage kind of thing, and normally it's just where like uh the administrators sit like during lunch just to like monitor and stuff like that. Um but since like we do Black History Month celebrations like all throughout the month, uh, it's like a big thing at our school. Um the principal asked us if we wanted to perform uh like during lunch. And so we set up uh like on that stage during lunch and played throughout all three of the different lunch periods. Um and so it was me the band teacher plays bass, the geography teacher uh, plays drums, the choir teacher plays piano and sings, and then we had sixth grade science teachers sing, and the nurse sang, and I sang. Uh, and we d- we had, like, I think eight different songs just ready to roll, and we kind of did different sets uh, in each of the three different lunch periods, so that was pretty... That was pretty awesome. It was the first time we got to like play in the middle of a school day, and the kids went nuts, absolutely nuts. That's awesome. So, did you guys play like predominantly like songs from black artists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it was for that. So all the all the songs were uh, black artists. We did "Superstition" by Stevie Wonder. We did uh, um, "Purple Rain" by Prince. We did uh, "I Sang." Johnny B. Good and Mustang Sally. Johnny B. Good by Chuck Berry, Mustang Sally by uh uh Wilson Pickett. Um If I Ain't Got You by Alicia Keys, uh Cuz I Love You by Lizzo and uh Stand By Me by Benny King because one of our assistant principals got a promotion and she's going to go work for the district. Um and so that was like our dedication song to her. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. That does sound like a lot of fun. No one and, was ever that cool when I was in school. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then we had our actual Black History Month program where like parents and stuff came a couple weeks ago. 
um and like we only played one song like as a like with like lyrics and stuff like that we just did we are family by sister sledge (laughs) but we played transition music like when they were transitioning uh like doing costume changes for like the skits and stuff they were doing and like all the different transitions we did basically like ode to hip-hop songs so we did like a bunch of like instrumental like iconic hip-hop beats like some dr dre and uh snoop dogg and stuff like that so that was pretty cool that's cool yeah yeah but yeah that was that's i because normally we talk about video games and tv shows and stuff and just preparing for all that because i'm like i'm i'm the one that started it so i guess i'm like the the leader of the band just been preparing for that has taken up a lot of my mental capacity for the last week or so because we put it all together in like like maybe maybe three practices because like everyone, everyone's pretty accomplished on their instruments, so like it doesn't take us long to to learn like eight or ten songs. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I guess since you were talking about something cool you did at work, I do want to talk about something cool that my work does, and I can't remember if I talked about it last year. I think you, if, if it's what I'm thinking about, I think you did. But okay. please tell us. But about it. it's still cool. It's uh, I work for a company called Flat Rock, and we call it Flat Rock Christmas because all the staff c- cannot wait for this day every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, maybe new listeners, I work for a company that does uh, adult foster care. So adults with disabilities that don't have any place really to stay. We deal with a lot of behavioral adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, they live in our homes. My company owns 29 homes. We're opening more as we go on, or 28. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I can never keep track of the number. Right. We've opened a couple new homes already in the last couple months. Uh, and so every year, we ha- they rent out uh, this water park for the residents. Uh, indoor water park, because we live in Michigan. We... We're not swimming outside in the middle of February. <laughs> you can't swim in a frozen yeah. pool. But also, that's why they do it in February, because that's the because actually the water park is closed a couple days a week during mm-hmm. the slow season. And so it's just really cool. You get to interact with the residents. Um, the residents all do, most of the time, a great job. Um they go down the water slides and then they serve them pizza and pop and uh, all that. And it's just a full day. And they, you, when they first started doing this, they would only do it one day, but the company's gotten so big that we now go twice. Nice. And since I have people on my caseload that are both days and I'm not just tied to one house. I get to go both days. And so I got to go both times. It is my favorite time of the year, but I was so tired when I got home. I remember it was like nine o'clock. My wife was going to bed. I'm like, I'm going to watch TV. And I fell asleep on the couch. (laughs) It just like, even if I'm not in the water the time, I'm just like walking around, making sure everyone's behaving. Right. But no, it is. It's amazing what my company does for these residents. Mm-hmm. They've done that. I think I talked about we did a prom. They just yeah. had a Valentine's dance. Yeah. Uh, the CEO and COO get personal gifts for every resident every Christmas. That's really cool. Like they ask them what they want and they try to get, you know, within reason what is on their Christmas list. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I, um, 
isn't it cool when like you do stuff like that and you're like i'm getting paid right now <laughs> I, I know. like i'm getting paid to do this well i got uh invited to go on uh the band and choir went on a field trip on thursday to a place called the Al- uh, alice stevens center which is like a performing arts center in birmingham and uh, I got to go and watch a two-time Grammy-winning band perform, and they were absolutely phenomenal. Like, incredible. Do you remember that show, Gullah Gullah Island? On, yeah. Uh, so, where do you think that show took place? Oh. Just, like, the, off the top of your head, where would you say? I would Gullah- say somewhere in the Caribbean. That's exactly what I thought. It's off the coast of South Carolina. Really? Really, I did not know that. I guess because we were like five or six years old when it came out, so like we didn't know. Like we just thought, oh, it's an island. It's probably the Caribbean. Uh, so what it was is after, um, like after people that were enslaved were freed, like they kept they they settled on those islands off the coast of uh South Carolina, and it's several of them. Um, I can't remember. I know John's Island, and then I know there's one that you will maybe you've heard of but i can't remember it off the top of my head okay but um gullah gullah island i've heard of that one i think gullah the gullah islands are is just like the name of the chain of islands um but after the people that were enslaved like settled down they kept like all the traditions and stuff like that so a, a lot of stuff you know like patty cake where they do like that like that was a that was a gullah thing um and shrimp and grits came from gullah it's not a uh it's not like a new orleans thing like i thought it was um, but the, the band that we saw is a band called Ranky Tanky and they, uh, which sounds dirty, but it's not. Um, but they, uh, like they, the, out, the Grammys that they won were for like, uh, roots music because they took a lot of like the traditional Gullah songs and set them to music. And then they have like their own, their own original songs that were, uh, uh, that were just like kind of in the tradition, but it's kind of like New Orleans jazz mixed with like that Caribbean sound. And dude, they were good. They were very good. So it was the band who wrote like the Gullah Gullah theme song, or no, 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 oh, no. They, okay. no, no, no. They, they, they call their music Gullah music because it's inspired by okay. music from that region. Yeah, that is cool. No. I never, you know, I didn't even dawn on me that it was based on a real island or. I, yeah, I was like, yeah, I thought it was just like the Caribbean or something, but it's crazy. It's. South Carolina. There we go. Look, you learned yeah. something from us and not just Kate. I know. <laughs> Finally. Maybe maybe Kate learned that. No, Kate probably already knew that. Let's be real. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure I'll hear that. Uh, be, as I say, I watched that Nickelodeon documentary series on YouTube called Knickknacks. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure eventually he'll get there. That show came out in the mid-90s. 94, I think, was the first year that it, 94? Year that it started. Yeah. Okay, well, it has a while to go until they get there. but. I'm sure I'll hear about it. Uh, But also, I have also been playing more Hogwarts Legacy, and I am still loving it. Though, I found a complaint I had, and it kind of ran into it today. Uh, So, you eventually, you unlock, it's the Room of Requirement. Mm -hmm. And in it, you can set up potion tables, you can set up uh, greenhouses, uh, you get this area where for breeding magical beasts. Mm-hmm. And I unlock the breeding of magical beast today. And nice. the issue is all the finish, all these things, the potions, the plants, the breeding, the beast takes real time. Oh, wow. 
So the potions are bad. The shortest is 15 seconds. The longest, I think, is a minute and a half. I can sit there and wait. Plants, <laughs> they take about 10 minutes per plant for it mm-hmm. to grow. But then for this one side quest, I had to uh, breed two Thestrals. Right. And I could get you see? Could you see them? No, you could not see them. Okay. Though, I have a funny story. Once this <laughs> Thestral was born... Uh, that's funny to me. I don't know why. So, uh, going on with that, you, I get the male and the female Thestral in the pen, mm-hmm. and then the counter above it says it's going to take 30 minutes. Oh. Yeah. So I went and did another... Uh, <laughs> Another quest. You're, you're telling me you're telling me thirty minutes is the exact amount of time it takes thestrals to breed. I guess. <laughs> uh, but so, here's the funny thing: once it was finally bred, uh, that you have to like collect whatever like uh, floopers as an animal, and you have to get the feathers, and so you have to collect uh-huh. the ingredients or whatever from them. And how you do that is you can brush them which Mm -hmm. thestrals are scaly so it's kind of weird to brush a thestral but you can brush them and you can feed them and then you get the stuff well you have to put your brushing and feeding on the same buttons as you do your spells that's weird you because you you only have so many cell spell slots so you're constantly switching them out so the brushing and the feeding is just two of the things you can switch out Mm mm-hmm uh, well, when I was going to, because then it says you needed a brush and feed the new baby Thestral. Uh, well, I was going up to this Thestral, and I guess somehow my right trigger got stuck. And so mm-hmm. every time I'd run up to it, I'd start casting spells at it. <laughs> and then it'd run away. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, I don't mean to. And then I like cast my spell and hits it and it runs off <laughs> at least it wasn't avada kedavra yeah i don't have that one yet i did learn cruciatus though Ooh, so are you being an evil wizard here's another issue is there's no really morality you can just do whatever you want oh okay yeah well they should have put in a morality system but they I didn't th- i thought it might have been like a uh infamous where like it kind of no. like the scales went one way or the other depending on what you did. Nope, no one even like you can be jerk to people like I do a side quest and then it's like they're like oh thank you thank you and you go you're no problem or I can say you know that took a lot of work I need some money <laughs> pay me yeah I usually do the pay me just so I can get some money <laughs> but it doesn't matter you don't like even if they would have put something in like um how mass effect does it where mm-hmm. if you get too far to the evil side you can't select the good yeah but nope not let me do that yeah. um and then the other thing i noticed a cool little easter egg so i told you about the you know you're trying to find those pages they like give you you find these items are pages and they're like the way they flesh out the lore and everything mm-hmm so, so like you find one on, I think there's one in the kitchen and it tells you like, oh, house elves work in the kitchen and mm-hmm. about that. So I was just exploring the one area and I found a bathroom. Right. And I used my thing to see if there were any field guide pages near me. And I heard the ding there was and found one. I found one and what it was saying goes, you found a weird engraving of Slytherin's mark on the sink. Hmm. 
You know what that is, Josh? That's the interest of the Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets, but no one knows it's the Chamber of Secrets right now because... Tom Riddle hasn't opened it. Tom Riddle hasn't opened it yet, so mm. the Basilisk is probably still down there. Just straight chilling. Straight chilling, yep. So, it's cool stuff like that, but no, I'm really enjoying the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm about 25 hours in. It's hard to figure out how far I have to go. Right. How like are you are you mostly are you playing the story or are you just like going around doing? So how uh, I typically play these games, uh, I do all side quests that are available before I do the story quest. Same. And as I'm going to different areas, if I see oh there's something oh there's something, I'm just gonna go do. It. I don't yeah. usually seek them out unless at the end there's not a lot left, and I'm like oh maybe I will get everything. But this yeah. one I'm just doing things as they come. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty much what I do, is I play the same way you do. And then usually once I beat the story, then I I stop playing the game. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, oh, I'm going to 100% this, but it never gets that far. No, I don't even try, because I know I'm not going to do it. Yep. Uh, All right. So let's get on to some Pokemon news. All right, our Pokemon news for this week. Uh, Pokemon revealed a character for the Pokemon anime that is debuting in Japan in April. The character is called Professor Freed, and he will have a partner Pokemon called Captain Pikachu. His name looks like it's fried with an E on the end. Friday? It's like how people in the South say Friday. Friday. (laughs) Yeah, but... It doesn't surprise me that they're releasing a character with a Pikachu. Yeah. He looks really cool, though. Like, his little bomber jacket thing and his <laughs> and his V-neck shirt. And it's got a pretty deep V in it. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're in... It's it's based off of Spain. That's, that's pretty typical yeah. in Spain. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how people in Spain dress, but I'll take your word for it. I, I would just say that seems... From what I... <laughs> from the one time I've been to Europe... Okay, fair enough. And I also love how Captain Pikachu is literally just Pikachu with a like a captain's hat on, <laughs> and like and like a and like a no nonsense smirk. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna play around on Captain Pikachu's ship, or you're gonna get thunder shocked. Yeah, but it does not surprise me that uh, Pikachu they chose a Pikachu to be in this show. Yeah. As one of the characters, because he's the mascot of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. All right, so, going on to our other bit of news, Nian. So, they had, like, special events with the something with Hoenn. Uh, you could buy tickets and special things happen. Uh, one of the things was in this park in Las Vegas. It's a free park, but Niantic asked people who did not buy a ticket to the event to refrain from going to this free park. Uh, 17,000 people showed up that did not pay for it, and people who paid for the event were having difficulties logging into Pokemon Go. Hmm. I mean, you can't ask people to not go to a free park. I know. It's like, I don't know. When we were talking about this, and it kind of feels like they're, like, going to build up to some sort of, like, pass type thing, like, season pass type thing. Or you pay this amount of money, and, and these public parks, you'll be able to find Pokemon in these places. I mean, 
they've done this before, mm-hmm. uh, where they have just released tickets to special events and you could only get the special event, but I think they were locked, blocked off areas. You had to pay to get into those areas. That's pretty lame. Or show your ticket. So do it in a free park. You can't just tell people to not show up in a park. Yep. And then they just kind of blamed it. Like, Oh, these people showed up that didn't pay. That's why we're having connection issues. (laughs) Hmm. All right, let's go on to our question of the week, which last week we asked the question, what is your favorite spicy food? Uh, We got an answer from Kate. She said, I love spicy food, but I can't do super hot spice anymore. My GI tract will rebel. Same. Shakshuka is one of my favorite spicy meals. It's eggs poached in a spiced tomato sauce. It's so good. I also love Thai, Indian, and Moroccan food. Ethiopian curries are amazing, but hard to find outside of the city. Hmm. That all sounds delicious. I do like Indian food. I we I do, I do too. We have an Indian place we like to order from at work, and I always get their chicken tikka masala, and it is in non bread, and it is delicious. Nice. A metal droid said, "My favorite spicy food is buffalo wings, medium, sometimes hot wings." Now, off of the question, and a side note, I used to eat hot stuff all the time from sixteen to thirty, but past few years, I'm almost thirty-three now. Spicy food doesn't like me, but I used to eat jalapenos out of the jar. I put Tabasco sauce on everything and ate hot wings only, and I think my stomach finally said enough. So, going off what metal droid said about the jalapenos, uh, do you like jalapenos, Jeff? So I don't like fresh jalapenos. It's a texture thing. I don't. I. I mean, I like fresh jalapenos, but I much prefer pickled jalapenos. Well, I, I'd prefer them fried or just infused or chopped <laughs> up. What about jalapeno poppers? I will eat a jalapeno popper. Yes, I'll eat like ten jalapeno poppers. <laughs> yeah, I like I like pickled jalapenos the best out of any kind of jalapenos. Uh. Where we used to play trivia, they used to have really good, like, fried jalapenos. Mm. They do the little circles. Mm-hmm. Those were really good. They were like a yeah, fried were. pickle, but they were jalapenos. And, we, and mm-hmm. my wife and I would usually order them when we would go to trivia. That's good stuff. Uh, speaking of my wife, uh, Jesse Walker, and my sister-in-law, Danny Walker, both said the same answer, which was pad thai. Nice. I don't like Tough. pad thai. You don't like Thai food? I don't like Thai oh, food. Oh, dude, Thai food is so good. So I, Jesse usually gets Thai food without me because she knows I don't care for it. Mm. Though I think, and I don't remember what it was, but she did order something from her favorite Thai restaurant. And I did like it. I don't remember what it was, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then Tyler Shaben, previous host, said, I like a lot of spicy food, but my current jam is Ethiopian food. I order a family-sized platter of Kunta Firfir, from a local place downtown and gorge myself on it for days despite my body saying no. There's an Ethiopian place here and I've I've only ordered from it once, but it was delicious. I, and I guess I just forgot about it because Chelsea's picky. And so like I never get good like good food like that. Uh except if I'm just ordering for myself. So I need to like find it again. It's so funny that you used to hate picky eaters and then you married one. Well, it's always, I don't know, it's like, it's like, cosmic. 
justice for all the crap I talked about picky eaters. It's like, and I gotta be married to one, and she doesn't even like this, like the to look at onions. Oh, I don't like onions either or tomatoes. In fact, oh. we went to a dinner. I had onions and tomatoes like two hours ago. <laughs> we went to lunch um, to this Italian restaurant. You know, they made their salad in. You know, they were asking us about the salad, and my boss is like, oh, can I not get onions or tomatoes on it? I, you guys mm-hmm. can get the full salad. That's just how I go, no, I'll eat your. I'll eat, like, because it's the big salad <laughs> like they do at Olive Garden. Right. Like, that's the exact same way I'd order it. <laughs> um, all right, going on, and we have some educations. Education! There we go. I don't remember the song. <laughs> uh, the first one said, Josh, the spicy Asian cabbage dish you mentioned was probably kimchi. It's fermented cabbage and usually spicy and so flavorful. I'm going to be honest. I don't even remember talking about an Asian cabbage dish because I've had kimchi before and kimchi is delicious. Okay. I, I have not had kimchi. That does not seem like something I would want to eat. I don't, I don't remember talking about it. It must have been like at the beginning where they were doing the garden party. Maybe. Of the last episode. Or when we were talking about spicy foods. Mm, maybe so. I, uh, kimchi I, is good. I don't know. You have to go listen to the last episode to figure it out. Uh, and then she says, Andy, y'all were talking about how Pidget, Pidgeot is a seven foot tall bird that's taller than even an ostrich or an e- emu. That's straight up dinosaur height levels of big. Uh, then, yeah. then she shared a picture of her next to a seven-foot silhouette of a dinosaur called a Dilophosaur. She shared that in our Discord, so if you want to see cool pictures of Kate and the Dilophosaur, go into the Discord. She sounds like my five-year-old nephew naming dinosaurs I've never heard before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, she, it was, and then she said she was at one of her favorite places in Connecticut, which was like dino, a dinosaur park or something. I like I remember the picture, but I feel like I missed all this stuff in the Discord. I had a busy week though, so probably just fell through the cracks. And if you want to answer our questions or talk with us, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Pokemon Snapshot, or you can send us an email at the Pokemon Snapshot at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, so look us up there as well. Also leave us a rating on your listening app of your choosing so other Pokemon fans just like yourself can find the podcast. All right, Josh, are we ready to get into the episode? Let's jump in it. All right, so this week's episode is called A Scare in the Air. Or are you ready for this, Josh? (laughs) I am. I'm so ready. (laughs) Or as it was known in Japanese, blimp accident? (laughs) (laughs) Complete with the question mark and everything. (laughs) This Uh, is one of the rare occasions where... The uh, the English title is better than the Japanese title. I mean, I think the Japanese title is better just because it has that question mark. <laughs> blimp accident. It's like, are we sure that the blimp goes down at the end here? Uh, and while we're at it, I do want to say something about this. Um, the English um title of this episode is there. There are rumors. The reason I say rumors is because it was on like every entry of this episode but no one can find like the actual title card or a picture of it but after the september 11th attacks they changed the name of this episode to spirits in the sky Mm. uh 
But then when it started airing on the Cartoon Network, it went back to a scare in the air. Which, mm. let's be honest, a scare in the air, spirits in the sky. I feel like both of those are... Spirit in the Sky is the name of a song from the 60s. Okay, so maybe that's what they're referencing when they changed it. But yeah, mm. they did that after the September 11th attacks. Uh, Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. This sounds about right. This episode aired on February 4th, 1999 in Japan and on January 8th, 2000 in the United States. So we have reached the new millennium. Yep, and it's like right after everybody was about to poop themselves thinking that all the nuclear uh like safety systems and stuff were going to go off in the in Y2K. <laughs> I remember at Y2K, like after it like hit midnight in Alabama, I like ran outside to see if like it was like pandemonium and it was like and I was like <laughs> I didn't realize until years later like it had been midnight in other places for like <laughs> for like hours at that point. <laughs> it's not like everything's going to go down as soon as it hits midnight in Alabama. <laughs> you mean like the world's going the world's going to descend into chaos as soon as it hits midnight in Alabama. <laughs> you mean Alabama's not the center of the world? <laughs> I mean some folks still think it is. All right, Josh, let's get into the episode. All right, so jumping into the episode, well, really, before we get into the story anyway, uh, I do want to speak on the subject of the new theme song that I trash-talked last week. I will say that the chorus of the new theme song is good. It's catchy. It's kind of got, like, uh, it's catchy in a similar way to the previous but still superior theme song. But the pseudo, like, hip-hop part is, like, the widest thing since Tipper Gore founded the PMRC uh, because of a Prince song that her daughter heard. Uh, am I going to need to explain this joke? Yes, you need to explain this joke. I have no idea what uh, you just said. Okay, okay. so you know the Prince album Purple Rain, right? Yes. So there's a song on there called Darling Nikki, and uh, part of the lyrics in there talk about Darling Nikki pleasuring herself. Uh, it doesn't really go into detail about it. It just makes mention of it. Well, Tipper Tipper Gore's daughter, which is Al, that's Al Gore's wife and Al Gore's daughter. Uh, uh, the daughter had like bu- like had the album, and then showed her mom the song, and then her mom freaked out because of the the content of the song, and founded this uh uh group called the PMRC, which stands for, I think, Parents Music Resource Center, I believe. And it was like her and basically, it's it's basically like the original Karen squad. It was like her and like other middle-aged white women um, who basically like waged war on artists, like music artists who had quote unquote un- objectionable content in their songs. And so, you know, on, like, albums where it has, like, parental advisory, whatever. Yeah. On it. So, that used to not exist. But they essentially got legislation fast-tracked because Al Gore was a senator at the time. The other the the other women on the PMRC were, like, a lot of them were married to, like, other senators and stuff like that. Uh, and, like, other people with influence and stuff like that. And uh, they basically fast-tracked... Legis- legislation to like address it um there was like more media coverage about that 
that year, or as far as Congress goes, than like anything else that year. Um, and so they got it all, like several different musicians uh, testified against it uh, in front of Congress. Uh, you know, D. Snyder, uh, the we're not gonna take oh, it. Oh, yes. From Twisted Sister, it was him and John Denver and Frank Zappa that I know of, who are all very different musicians. Um, they like testified against it, but of course, it all passed, and that's why we have those parental advisory things on the front of uh, albums now because of Al Gore's wife. That's probably why no one took uh, climate change seriously at first because it was Al Gore. It's like, why would we take you seriously if this is what what we have because of your family? I mean, it's just like uh, back in the early '90s with the video games and Joseph Lieberman, the senator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when he went against Mortal Kombat and Night Trap. Yeah. And he's the reason we have a rating system now. It's like, imagine if our politicians, like, <laughs> waged war on things that actually mattered. Like, what if our politicians, like, didn't just always want to go to war? <laughs> All right, continuing on, uh, I am going to insert the new theme song so people who have not watched past the original series can hear it and make their own opinions, because I'm curious to see what other people think of this song as well. So we will put the new song right here. All right, Jeff, let's jump into the story of this episode. Uh, Team Ash is headed to Valencia Island, and Brock is literally drooling over a magazine uh, for the islands, uh, for the Orange Islands, uh, as he thinks about all the pretty girls there. And I know we just had the theme song, but we're going to need the sound that he makes when when he's gawking over them here. Look at all that ocean. Look at all that sand. And think of all those pretty girls. <laughs> now that we're all sufficiently grossed out, uh, <laughs> Misty can't wait to work on her tan, which, to be fair, she is a ginger. So she's probably just going to burn and then peel and then be pale again. And I can make that joke because I'm basically a ginger. And when I go out to the, into the sun, I burn, I peel, and then I'm pale again. Uh, Ash has gotten tons of snacks, uh, for what is going to be a month-long journey to Valencia Island. And, like, seriously, how is he still 10 years old by the end of his tenure on the show? It makes no sense whatsoever, (laughs) because, especially Pokemon Journeys, you can tell is, like, a love letter to the Pokemon fans. Mm -hmm. There are so many recurring characters that just show up, like, oh, hi, Ash, and then it's just like, but... And then everyone's the same age, and I'm like, this makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Brock says it's way faster if you go by blimps. Uh, so I guess they never had the Hindenburg crash in this world. Um, and you know what they could have taken had Ash not left it in the forest in the last episode? His uh, Pidgeot. But as we know, Ash is an idiot. Are you proud of that one? I'm so proud of it. <laughs> like I wrote it and I was like I shook my head. I was like, yes, this this one this is a good one. Uh I I, I am glad you mentioned Brock Julian all over the girls because I had the exact same comment. Like it is I'm like, come on, it's a tour guy. It's a tour book. <laughs> uh but let's break down this scene where Ash is getting the snacks. So Ash says he's got enough snacks for a couple of weeks. But then he says it will probably take a month to get there. So he has enough snacks, but not enough snacks for the whole trip. <laughs> and for and they are getting there on foot. Don't forget, they're going to an island. How are you going to get to an island on foot? <laughs> I mean, like I said, <laughs> Ash is an idiot. And then... I just think it's weird that out of all the possible transportation ways, they chose a blimp. Yeah, I, I think I get into that a little bit later. Uh, nearby, two guys who actually are not Team Rocket uh, are giving away prizes with the chance to win a free blimp trip to Valencia Island. Ash, through the power of Deus Ex Machina, wins. Um, And I'm just glad to see that his luck from uh, the previous season has followed him to season two. Uh, my exact comments in the notes here were that is just way too convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, in the late 90s, were blimps even around anymore? I have no idea. Like, I'm pretty sure you just saw, like, the Goodyear blimp flying over sporting events at this time. I have no idea. I learned more about blimps in this episode than I ever knew before, so. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Team Rocket is Skyping with Giovanni. He says that they're being moved to the Blimp Brigade because he needs only the best. And I feel like he's setting them up to to die, basically. And then he confirms this by telling his Persian that the Blimps are super unsafe and he's basically just trying to get insurance money. I guess he knows if he sends Team Rocket on there that there's like a 100% chance that the whole thing's going to go down in flames. <laughs> and, on, and honestly, that's pretty dark, but I'm here for it. You know I love the dark stuff. Yeah, the English version was dark. The Japanese version was even darker. I have oh, his right. whole quote here. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the same thing, but just how he says it. He, he says, Giovanni says, The truth is that the airship division has been in the red a lot because of a string of accidents. This job is the first we've had in a while. We'd lost so many customers. I was just about to shut the whole thing down. I need henchmen who I don't care what happens to them, and those three fit that description perfectly. Holy exposition, Batman. <laughs> um, Team Ash is about to get on the blimp when two other dudes tell them how unsafe it is. There are a lot of one-off just pairs of dudes in this episode. Um, they talk about how unsafe it is, but they say it's because it's haunted by ghosts. And I'm like, didn't they already do a ghost storyline? Are they just like retreading old ground at this point? Yeah, and... I have a couple things to say. For one, I'll go on the ghost thing first. I don't understand why everyone seems like ghosts are these supernatural beings because ghost Pokemon literally exist and everyone <laughs> has probably seen one. Yeah. Uh, and then when you're talking about all the random guys, 
I don't understand why they had these people who won, who were doing the free blimp rides, and they had those people who were working on the blimp. When it was Team Rocket's blimp, like, I think it would have been, even though it would have been a stupid, having Jesse and James giving away the free blimp ride. Yeah. Then it would have been more sense. Yeah, and it's not like they haven't, it's not like they don't have them get in disguises every episode. They get in disguises later in this episode. (laughs) Like... I don't know. Yeah, that all seemed weird. Uh, right here, Team Rocket shows up dressed as a steward and stewardess, but again, they've given up on going all out with the costume since Ash is dumb, and they hurry Team Ash into the blimp. Meow thinks Giovanni put them uh, here because he somehow he knew that Team Ash would be getting on the blimp. Uh, Team Ash is confused why the steward and stewardess don't need to see their tickets, and I'm confused how Ash doesn't realize this is Team Rocket. Um, and then, for the love of God, Jigglypuff shows up for some reason and somehow gets caught on a rope that's attached to the blimp as it takes off. And then a bunch of water comes pouring out of the blimp and soaks Jigglypuff while it's connected uh, to the blimp. You weren't happy to see Jigglypuff? I was not. I mean, when's the last time we saw Jigglypuff? Would it have been the Blastoise episode? No, oh no, it's it's definitely been more recently than that. Yeah, but I think she hasn't really had a storyline. She we just saw that her following them. Well, the the ancient uh oh yeah, that's right. was, more, okay. was more recent too. Yeah, that that one was probably the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Uh, though you did forget a part of this scene. So Jigglypuff sees a lever and she thinks it's a microphone to sing into. Mm-hmm. She jumps into the lever, and it is the lever that sends the blimp off, and let's just say someone is definitely getting fired for leaving that unattended. Yeah, I don't think I forgot that part. I think I was rolling my eyes so hard when Jigglypuff showed up (laughs) that I just missed it. Uh, Team Ash goes into some room on the blimp, and Ash falls through the floor, like, and almost (laughs) falls out the bottom of the blimp. And, I mean, I was hoping for it, but... It's a kid's cartoon. It can't happen. Um, uh, Misty and Brock just stare at him for a minute until he asks for help. So he's literally hanging out the bottom and they're like, uh, should, should we push him? Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, I would have just let him fall. You're right. They just stood there and watched him as he almost plummets to his death. They could have been the heroes that we, ne- that we deserved and needed. Uh... Kind of like you said earlier, I bet he wishes he would not have left his giant bird in Pallet Town now. Moron. Also, uh, this blimp theme here, it definitely confirms that I believe Giovanni is just the owner of Spirit Airlines at this point. (laughs) A bunch of crappy flying machines? Yes. (laughs) And I've flown Spirit. Oh, it's horrible. I never have. Um, at dinner, uh, Team Ash has served cold soup made by Meowth. Um, but soon Team Rocket realizes that they have no idea who's flying the blimp. Uh, and that's when it begins to tip every which way. You did forget to mention the good old 90s slight racism because they said since it was cold, they said it was an old Eskimo recipe. Mm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, Team Rocket goes to the cabin and finds that no one is flying it, but apparently there are two enormous water tanks on, like, either end of the blimp, 
And whenever it like starts to tip either forwards or backwards, they'll release water from that tank to like help balance it out. I had no idea that blimps work like that. I've I was honestly kind of fascinated with that. This is the that was the most interesting part of the episode to me. Is just how blimps work. They even had little diagrams to show. I know. I was I love when children's cartoons teach me things. Um but but also considering the level of technology that they have in this this world, they can literally transfer a whole Pokemon from one place to another in like five seconds. Why couldn't they just create like a subway system or like connect all of the islands by a train or something? <laughs> I don't know. No uh, idea. J- yeah, Jigglypuff climbs up the rope and gets into the blimp. And I will say, with the whole blimp thing, uh, looks like Jesse and James gave us an education. Education! Uh, it was, and as I said, it was kind of cool how they explained how blimps fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did find a quote from the writer of this episode, Junki, Junki Tak- Takagami, mm-hmm. uh, that I want to mention. Uh, he, he said, uh, the highlight of this one is all the big action taking place inside this tiny airship. I studied things like books and movies to learn all about airships. I might even know a little something about the secrets of how airships fly now. Well, thanks, Junki. Now we all know a little something about how airships fly. Uh, Team Rocket is afraid to screw up the mission, so they don't want to release all of the gas uh, in the blimp and uh, just put it down in the ocean. So they plan to grab Pikachu and then sink the blimp. You just got to get your order of operations right. It's like it's like math class. Yeah, but I am going to guess that actual blimps don't have a big red button like that. Pro- probably true. But this definitely helps us understand why so many blimps blew up back in the day. If they mm-hmm. just had a big red button to release the gas. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering how the technology has changed to reduce that or if we don't hear about them anymore because there's just not very many blimps. I would guess because there are very few blimps. And probably, like, the Goodyear blimps at this point are just giant drones or something. They're controlled by drones. Balloons. Yeah. Um, Team Ash, who has been slammed around the cabin of the moving blimp, uh, finally gets their footing. But when Misty reaches for Togepi, she picks up some creepy statue thing. And when she picked up the creepy statue thing, I thought that was going to be connected to, like, the whole ghost thing that the <laughs> those two random dudes were talking about. Um, spoiler alert. It's, it, it literally has nothing to do with anything. Um, she freaks out because Togepi has disappeared, and outside, a storm begins to rage. Uh, the statue is a Daruma doll. A what? A Daruma doll. Oh, I have no idea what that is. Uh, actually, uh, the Pokemon Darumaka from Generation 5 is based off of this doll. Mm. Uh, they are used for wishes. They come without their eyes, and when you make a wish, you paint the left eye, and when that wish comes true, you paint the right eye. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, and fun fact, because we do go into our Who's That Pokemon segment, in the Japanese version, the Who's That Pokemon segment was the Daruma doll. I don't know why that is. It's like wasn't even a big <laughs> deal. Yeah, I don't know. It's strange. Uh, but yep. Speaking of our who's that Pokemon segment, let's go into our who's that Pokemon segment. Who's that Pokemon? All right, our who's that Pokemon for this week, which I just chose one we have not talked about yet, is uh, Zubat. Ugh. 
who in Japanese is also known as Zubat. You chose wrong. I know. Well, we had to talk about him eventually. <laughs> I, I hate Zubat. Let's let's get this over with. All right. Some. Do you hate him more than Nita Reno? Yes, actually. Okay. Well, some basic information on Zubat. It's number 41 in the Pokedex. It is a poison and flying type. It is 2 feet 7 inches tall and weighs 16.5 pounds, and it is known as the Bat Pokemon. And then it evolves into Golbat at level 22. Oh, you know what I hate more than a Zubat? A Golbat? A Golbat. But then Golbat evolves into Crobat, and Crobat is pretty cool. I... I don't... I don't recognize... It's, that, it came in Generation 2. Well, you'll, uh, we'll eventually get a see Crobat, but um, I think it was my Diamond and Pearl. I had a Crobat on my team, and he was pretty cool. Mm. All right, some origins about Golbat, uh, Zubat. His name, Zubat, may be a pun based on both Bat and Zubato, an onomatopoeia for when an edge tool forcefully pierces something, possibly referring to its fangs or the sound of a, a bat makes. So when you have a, well, I guess later when we see the blimp being pierced in Japan, it would be Zubato. Mm. Uh, what is it? What is Zubat based off of? Zubat's design seems to be inspired by bats, specifically vampire bats, which produce toxic saliva with anticoagulant properties that is secreted when biting prey to draw blood. Zubat's lack of eyes could also be a reference to troglomorphism and may additionally be influenced by the misconception that bats are blind or primarily dependent on echolocation to navigate. The claim that Zubat suffers harm and even burns when exposed to sunlight alludes to mythological vampires. Mm. Alright, Zubat's biology. Zubat is a blue chiropteran chiropteran? I don't know how Pokemon. Chiroptern. While it lacks eyes, it has pointed ears with purple insides and a mouth with two sharp teeth on each jaw. A male will have larger fangs than a female. It has a purple wing membrane supported by two elongated fingers and two long, thin tails. Zubat lives in abundance in dark caves, although it has also been known to dwell in forests and under the eaves of old buildings. Due to its habitat, Zubat has evolved to have neither eyes nor nostrils. It instead navigates through dark environments and tight caves with echolocation, emitting ultrasonic cries to detect targets and obstacles. The frequency of these cries can vary slightly between Zubat colonies. As demonstrated in the anime, it will leave its abode at night with a mass of other Zubat in order to seek prey. Zubat is nocturnal and sleeps hanging upside down during the daytime, avoiding sunlight at all costs. Daylight causes Zubat to become unhealthy and prolonged exposure can even burn its skin. Same. However, how- <laughs> Zubat and I do have that in common. However, captured and trained Zubat have been recorded as being much more tenacious in the daytime, even when directly exposed to sunbeams. While sleeping or in colder conditions, Zubat gather with others at its kind of its kind for warmth. Alright, some Pokedex entries on Zubat. Red and Blue says, Forms colonies in perpetually dark places. Uses ultrasonic waves to identify and approach targets. Pokemon Yellow says, Emits ultrasonic cries while it flies. The act, they act as a sonar used to check for objects in its way. Uh, Pokemon Th- Stadium says, has neither eyes nor a nose. It emits ultrasonic cries that bounce back to its large ears, enabling it to fly safely. 
Uh, Pokemon Crystal says, During the day it gathers with others and hangs from the ceilings of old buildings and caves. Uh, Pokemon Ruby says, Zubat remains quietly unmoving in a dark spot during the bright daylight hours. It does so because prolonged exposure to the sun causes its body to become slightly burned. Uh, Pokemon Sapphire says, Zubat avoids sunlight because exposure causes it to become unhealthy. During the daytime, it stays in caves or under the eaves of old houses, sleeping while hanging upside down. So I think what we learned is Zubat is a bat. I was about to say, isn't, isn't it just a bat? <laughs> uh, Pokemon Emerald says, while living in a pitch black caverns, their eyes gradually grow shut and deprive them of vision. They use ultrasonic waves to detect obstacles. Which... And I don't know the answer to this. I wonder if there's any animal where, like, evolution kind of did its backwards thing. Like, you know, how they say, you know, giraffe snacks eventually got longer. Here it's mm-hmm. saying Zubat eyes just gradually grew shut because they didn't need to see the light. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, Fire Red says it has no eyes. Instead, it relies on its ultrasonic cries for echolocation to, fit, to flit about in darkness. Pokemon Moon says, when exposed to sunlight, they suffer burns. The frequency of their ultrasonic waves can differ slightly from colony to colony. Uh, Ultra Sun says it has no eyeball, so it can't see. It checks its surroundings via the ultrasonic waves it emits from its mouth. Uh, then Ultra Moon says their skin is so thin that they'll be burned if sunlight hits them. When it gets cold out, they gather together to warm one another's bodies. Pokemon Sword said it emits ultrasonic waves from its mouth to check its surroundings. Even in tight caves, Zubat flies around with skill. Uh, Pokemon Shield says Zubat lives in caves down where the sun's light won't reach. In the morning, they gather together to keep each other warm as they sleep. And then Pokemon Legends Arceus says makes its home in gloomy caves. Atrophied eyes have left this Pokemon blind, so it scans its surroundings via sound waves that it emits from its mouth as it flies. And that is our Who's That Pokemon segment on Zubat. On just a regular bat. On just a regular bat. (laughs) Who's That Pokemon? Team Ash goes throughout the blimp looking for Togepi. Uh, and the way Pikachu calls uh, for Togepi is super cute. So we gotta have some sound for this, too. Hey, Togepi! 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 Come on out, Togepi! <laughs> Jigglypuff sees a candle and thinks that on just like on a table, like covered in a tablecloth with a candle sitting on top, um, and thinks that it's a microphone, and then trips and rolls into the tablecloth. Uh, in the blimp hallway, Team Ash encounters the Jigglypuff covered in a sheet and thinks that it's a ghost. If the whole ghost storyline turns out to just be Jigglypuff, and it does, it's so stupid. It's so dumb. <laughs> why, why, was, why is Jigglypuff in this episode? Uh, Team Rocket uh, searches for them, but when Meowth cracks wise about seeing Ghost, Jesse has had enough and begins trying to kill him until they all see the Jiggly Ghost and run away. The blimp, off balance and traveling through the storm, begins to pick up speed. Missy says she's not leaving until she finds Togepi, no matter who she has to go through, and that's when Team Rocket reveals themselves. Themselves. I don't think she has to go through anyone, really. Yeah. Like, to look for Togepi. Yeah, um, just look for Togepi. 
She will have to go through the wreckage of the blimp if it crashes, though. Wouldn't that be a horrible way to end the series? <laughs> she, <laughs> she would find a bit of Togepi here. She'd find a bit of Togepi there. Ash would probably not read the room and make some horrible scrambled eggs joke. <laughs> he would probably just end up trying to eat the Togepi. Um, Team Rocket whips out their Pokemon to fight Team Ash. Ash has Pikachu shock Arbok, but Misty calls him an idiot because the electricity could make the blimp explode. Uh, James is wheezing attacks, but Brock's Geodude throws it through the blimp's outer shell material, whatever you want to call it, and it creates a massive hole. All the material begins to peel off, revealing just the metal frame of the blimp. Somehow, Togepi is walking on the metal frame. Team Rocket sees this and for once feels remorse. I want to know how Togepi got there. Did it just crawl between the frame and the material? I have, I have no idea. Seems, yeah. It's like, and how did it have enough time? Maybe it rolled up, like when the thing tipped, it like kind of got in between and like Maybe. rolled up on it. I don't know. Um, Misty begins to climb up to Togepi um, and Ash has Bulbas Bulbasaur use Vine Whip to help her keep her balance. Uh, Meowth plans to climb over and sneak up on Pikachu and steal, steal it, uh, but gets stuck halfway there, so Jesse and James have to go rescue him. Uh, Jigglypuff shows up as Misty is almost to Togepi, and she begs it not to sing, but, but before she can, the blimp lurches. Uh, Team Rocket falls, as does Jigglypuff. Uh, Meowth's paw is on the blimp material and rips it all off. They begin to fall and are headed to their deaths, but luckily the canvas material stuff turns into a parachute. But then Jigglypuff lands on the parachute, sings, they fall asleep, and then they fall anyway. <laughs> I just want to know how weak this covering was, though I guess it's supposed to be balloon material. Material. I guess it's confusing because from the outside, it doesn't look like the blimp was really blown up. It looks like it's some sort of metal. Yeah, I, yeah that's what I thought too. And then, but then I'm like, well, I guess it's a blimp, which blimps are blown up. I feel, though, even if it was just like the blimp material, it should be stronger than just being able to be ripped from a cat scratching it. Yeah, that seems like a, a bit of a safety um, concern. Uh, Misty and Togepi are returned safely, but now the blimp is going down. Brock has the idea to release all of their Pokemon to weigh the blimp down so that they can steer it and and bring it down to the ground safely. Uh, but when he releases his Onyx, the blimp starts going down way too fast, so he has to call it back. Uh, and out of the Pokemon that he showed, uh, the only Pokemon he has that doesn't float in the air is a Vulpix, and I'm pretty sure a Vulpix weighs about 14 pounds, so I don't really know what it's going to be able to do. <laughs> yeah, he released both Zubat and Geodude, who both float. Mm -hmm. uh, but at least they showed Geodude on the ground. Like, Geodude was hopping. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you notice, after he sends out Zubat, you just never see him again. He disappears. <laughs> uh, Brock, uh, takes over and begins flying the blimp, uh, while Ash is running the Pokemon back and forth to try to balance it. They end up landing on Valencia Island, um, in what, to me, was probably the best travel episode that they've done, uh, since I've joined the show, despite how dumb the inclusion of Jigglypuff was. I think I just really liked this, the blimp setting. Yeah, and so that's literally where the episode ends. It shows the blimp crashing to the ground. Mm -hmm. On Valencia uh, Island. On Valencia Island. But don't worry, everyone was safe as showed. 
Yep. And that's where it ends. So yeah, so that was your episode. You did like this I episode? I liked it. Yeah, it was exciting. Yeah. So here's something interesting about this episode. You notice there wasn't a Pikachu jukebox at the end. Mm-hmm. Which gave us about two more minutes at the end for the writers to do something. I think that two minutes helped them not have to rush through an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, I mean, it was, I mean, they got to their destination, so it technically wasn't filler. I don't know. It was an exciting episode. It was good. I liked it. And it was an episode with very few Pokemon. You're just, Mm -hmm. it's like the, the human characters were just you know, pulling the episode along, mm-hmm. the only Pokemon I believe we see is Pikachu, Togepi, Meowth, and Jigglypuff. Bul- I guess you all see, the Pokemon like, coming out at the- and then the ones at the end, but they don't really. Yeah, they don't do much. Yeah. Yep. What did you think? Uh, I I really enjoyed this episode, which, from what I know about the Orange Islands, maybe. You know what? I haven't seen the Orange Islands in years, so maybe I will be surprised with how much I like these episodes. Hmm. Hopefully so. Hopefully. Otherwise, it'll be a long year until we can get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> but we will see. Uh, let's go into our question of the week. So the, our question for this week, I have, have, have you ever flown? I put on an airplane because I don't think anyone's flown. On, oh, Kate might have flown on a blimp. <laughs> Sounds like something. <laughs> uh, but I put, have you ever flown on an airplane? If so, where was the first place you have flown? Or where is your favorite place you have flown? Um, I've, I've flown a bunch. I'll probably say my most memorable plane trip I flew to when I went to Europe. Um, I, it was like a 14 hour flight from where did we fly? We flew from Dallas to where was it? Why am I blanking? It wasn't Amsterdam. No, it was Amsterdam. We flew into Amsterdam. Um, and then we were just getting a connecting flight, but that was the 14-hour flight, and I watched a bunch of movies and stuff like that, but there was one point we were going, and they were like, oh, we're expecting some turbulence or whatever, so we're going along, and then I guess we hit like an air pocket or something, and it feels like the plane just drops like 10 feet, like you're on the Tower of Terror, and that that got my stomach, but it was it was pretty fun. I like that kind of stuff, so... But that was probably yeah. that was one of my most memorable flights. Uh, that happened to me once. I think I was flying to California mm-hmm. on when I did the after school program. I went to their yearly convention. Yeah, yeah. And I think we hit some pocket and it just dropped. Yeah. Uh, though my most memorable is also the first place I have flown, just because I love this whole summer. But I flew to Japan mm-hmm. first time I'm ever on a plane, and I'm flying to Japan. Yep. Um, it was a 12 hour flight, which it really surprised me that from Dallas to Amsterdam was 14 hours. Yeah. Well, we had to, we left Birmingham, but I, I can't remember the name of the, uh, uh, the airline, but their like base is in Dallas. So we had to go the opposite direction and then turn around and drive or fly back to Europe. Made no sense, but you know. Because I think I flew from Chicago to London and it was six hours. Mm. I don't know. Uh, also had a fun time where I was trying to get back from Europe and I got flew from Belgium. So Brussels to London. Mm-hmm. And then we get to London. There's a huge line and f- their quote is. Sorry, we're going to have to figure out what to do. Your plane from Chicago never showed up last night. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, is anyone worried about this plane? <laughs> I, I have no idea. 
But they got me. I flew British Airlines back to Chicago. Nice. Uh, all right. If you want to tell us your favorite um, time on a plane, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Pokemon Snapshot, or you can send us an email at thepokemonsnapshot at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, so look us up there as well. Also, leave us a rating on your listening app if you're choosing, so other Pokemon fans just like yourself can find the podcast. All right, Josh, do we have anything else to add? I have nothing to say. All right, so please join us next time when we will be watching Pokeball Peril. Peril.